Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Connor Semmelsberger. He is the Family Research Council's Director of Federal Affairs for Life and Human Dignity. Connor lobbies the Congress and federal agencies to advance the Family Research Council's goals on pro-life, bioethics, and sex education issues. Connor, thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's great to be on. So, I mean, I guess just to start off with, maybe we can give people, if they don't already know, a flavor of how anti-life this administration is, pretty much from top to bottom. Yeah, it really is. And we've been tracking this from the very beginning to just see, okay, well, we hear uh, the Trump administration was the most pro-life administration we've ever had. And now we're hearing the same thing on the opposite end for the Biden administration. And, and the facts really play out. Uh, President Trump did have the most pro-life administration um, in history in terms of executive actions, executive orders, regulation changes, you name it. He did everything and more than what the pro-life community has asked. Flip this a few months forward to now the Biden administration, it's the exact opposite. Not only is he reinstating policies that President Obama had put in place, uh, like he did for this uh, provision in Obamacare, but he's even going way beyond President Obama and allowing the most taxpayer funding uh, we've ever seen to be at least allowed for abortions, uh, removing key provisions like uh, the Hyde Amendment in his COVID-19 package passed all the way back in February, sending direct loans to Planned Parenthood through the Paycheck Protection Program. You name it, this is, has been truly the most pro-abortion administration uh, we have ever seen. Well, and I think people need to understand, right, there is no way Biden has the mental capacity when you listen to him speak to be running, you know, an ice cream shop, let alone the United States of America. So there is definitely a machine behind him and it seems like the litmus test is, hey, are you OK with for killing babies even after they're born? And if they answer yes, then you got you They'll find a spot for you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you look at people like Javier Becerra, who's our Health and Human Services Secretary, a longtime member of Congress, long track record of anti-life uh, work. Uh, he even voted against the partial birth abortion ban in the early 2000s that was upheld by the Supreme Court in 2007. Fast forward, him running our largest uh, uh, agency by dollars, the Health and Human Services, he won't even acknowledge that there is a federal prohibition on partial birth abortion when he was a very member of Congress at the time when it passed into law. And so those are the kinds of folks not only that uh, Biden has at the White House with him, but are running key agencies that have direct implications for policies that affect you and me every day of our life. So, I mean, I think people listening need to know, look, if you're Catholic and support abortion, one, you should not receive communion because you're bringing condemnation upon yourself. And you know what? You, you better get a moral adjustment going because what you're doing is strictly following the evil one. I mean, what we're seeing here is pathetic to have people call themselves Catholic, call themselves Christians when you're trying to snuff out life when you're not the author of life. So I think it's just really despicable in terms of what they're doing. But I think having you on and giving people a clear picture of really what you have to endure every day and what you're kind of following is really actually helpful so that they can see what kind of knuckleheads are actually in office and have been appointed in these. You mentioned Xavier Becerra, right? He's a train wreck. He was a train wreck in California. And he is doing everything he can to reverse what happened in the HHS in the last four years. 
Yeah, I mean, you look back to the, the late years of the Trump administration, those key officials were Catholics, Christians, following the Christian way of life to protect life, promote family throughout the executive policies. And we saw that reflected in these policies from the Trump administration. One in particular comes to mind, and this was a case where uh, the University of Vermont had forced uh, one of their uh, nurses to participate in abortion, um, and they received federal dollars. And so thankfully, we have federal laws that protect people, uh, healthcare providers, a part of uh, federal grant programs from being forced to participate in abortions. And so the HHS under uh, President Trump uh, investigated this and we're ready to bring charges against the University of Vermont for doing this, for the policy they had in place. We just got news the other day that having been referred to the Department of Justice under President Trump to uh, follow this case through and, and uh, follow through on uh, enforcement on this university up in Vermont, uh, they dropped the case. They just dropped the case with no evidence whatsoever to show that the university changed their procedures, that they gave re remedies or uh, you know uh, special accommodation to nurse that was a part of this abortion or others like it. Instead, they just flat out dropped the case, not actually following the laws that are in place that do protect life. And so, you know, just to see those polar opposites between the pro-life Trump administration, the many, many that call themselves Catholics that filled this Biden administration, really, really just anti-life from top to bottom. And, you know, Bishop Barron did a little segment, I don't know, I saw it a few weeks ago, where he was trying to talk to politicians on the left that support abortion Right. Just trying to find out if there's any common ground and they wouldn't give an inch. Right. I mean, even not even partial birth abortion, not even, you know, born alive babies. Right. Where they're where they let them die on the table. They are as anti-death as you can possibly get with your dealings with them in your lobbying efforts and in your following them. Is it just like, you know what, this is, we are not talking about this, this, and we're going to go as far as we can go. Is there any behind the scenes hope that anybody's even listening to this? You know, it, it is really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, you look back through Congress's history, you had Senator Joe Biden from Delaware, a, a Catholic who personally believed in, in life. And he was so supportive of measures like the Hyde Amendment, like the Helms Amendment, which prohibit taxpayer funding for abortion. They were so supportive. To be honest, the Helms Amendment, which passed in 73 and then Hyde three years later in 76, uh, those would not have happened without Democrat majorities. It was because of Democrat majorities that those laws first passed in the 70s to prohibit taxpayer funding for abortion. So th those policies were very much bipartisan. You had people from both sides. It is just so unfortunate that today in 2021, I can't confidently say there's a single pro-life Democrat left in the House. Now we have, you know, Joe Manchin and Senator Casey over in the Senate that sometimes will take votes um, and proclaim to be pro-life. But in the House, after Dan Lipinski lost his primary last year um, outside of uh, Chicago and Illinois suburbs, who was one of those last true pro-life Catholic Democrats in office, um, there's none left. And it's so unfortunate that, that that's the way it is. Um, but when you work with members of Congress, it really is that partisan. You look to the Republican Party, they will stand for life from top to bottom, which wasn't always the case. You had pro-choice members years ago. And you look to the left on the Democrat side, many of these Catholics uh, as pro-choice as they come. So it's, I hate to bring that bad news, but it is unfortunate that it really is just one party that stands for life, um, at least today's Congress. Well, and there are some squishy Republicans, like the senator from Alaska, Murkowski, uh, I think Collins up in where is she Maine? I can't remember where she is. Mm -hmm. Even yeah, them, I mean, they're willing they're willing to give on this issue, and so it really is. It's got to be, you know, frustrating. I think what you do is really good work, but it's got to be frustrating to just basically hit up against the wall on such evil when people 
are, I, I personally, I think they're doing this because of all the money that's getting pumped into their campaigns. And I think that's even worse, right? They don't even stand on this on their own moral grounding that they think is moral grounding. They're doing this for filthy money. Yeah, well, we did a little research after this last election, and as far as we could tell, everyone but one House member, uh, Democrat House member that won election 2020, uh, was endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Uh, very similar thing in the Senate. And to really get into how the Biden administration is really wrapped up with the money and funding that comes, uh, you, you would never see this in any other industry. But so President Biden was endorsed by Planned Parenthood. In his platform running for president, he specifically called for changing the Title 10 regulations specifically so Planned Parenthood could get further federal funds. And then one of his first actions in office once Biden got in was doing exactly that, rewriting the Title 10 regulations that Trump had made pro-life taking away around $60 million from Planned Parenthood. He's re in the process of rewriting those regulations and increasing the amount of funding to send directly to Planned Parenthood. So not only is he getting endorsed by them, directly calling out funding for an organization, a nonprofit, quote, nonprofit organization, and then doing direct actions to fund them. It it's all about the money. You would never see uh, potentially a Republican uh, member of Congress or politician running for office in their platform call for specific federal funding for a certain, I don't know, oil organization or some type of business and then go take direct federal actions to fund them. That'd just be unheard of. You would, you would hear calls of, uh, you know, the courts going after something like that. But that's exactly what the Biden administration has done um, directly in the pocketbooks of Planned Parenthood. Well, I mean, geez, we've seen, uh, you know, Hunter Biden be able to do art that looks like my grandson did it and get, you know, millions of dollars from donors. I mean, I'm sure that's all on the up and up. I mean, nothing they do is even would be a legitimate business practice and they get away with it because they have the media, they have the entertainment industry, they have everybody in their pocket. It really is sickening. But again, we have the truth on our side and we have to keep fighting. You know, you wrote an article, um, a little summary on the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and then some of the things that the threats that people need to be aware of in that? Yeah, so this is really good to um, learn the specifics of because, you know, Obamacare passed in 2010, and it was only because of the pro-life Democrats were able to sign on and pass that through law. So the, the, key, the key issue here with the, the Affordable Care Act or what we call Obamacare is uh, it had the perception that it was a pro-life policy, that to get the pro-life Democrats on board will make Obamacare pro-life. But it was sneaky. They, they created an accounting gimmick, basically. And so each state had the option to allow Obamacare plans to cover abortion or not. Many states in the early years passed laws to say our plans, our Obamacare plans will not cover abortion. Thankfully, that's the case in, I believe, 26 states. But the other 24, uh, it's up to whether the insurers want to offer abortions on their plans. Again, these are all subsidized by taxpayer funds. And so one of the key things in that policy, though, was despite what states allowed on the Obamacare exchanges to cover abortion or not, it was key that all the payments for abortion on Obamacare plans had to be billed and collected separately. We call it the separate payments rule. Well, when Obama was tasked with uh, having to implement his new law, Obamacare, he did not separate the payments for abortion separate from the taxpayer-funded subsidies for uh, health care premiums on Obamacare. Instead, he billed them together, collected them together, and there was no way to delineate what mon money was coming in for abortions, what money was coming in for regular health care premiums on Obamacare. 
Thankfully, the Trump administration saw that he was directly in violation of the law and rewrote the regulations to say, no, we're going to build this separately. We're going to let people know what plans cover abortion because it was so vague. It was so uh, couched in, in uh, fine print by, by the Obama administration. So finally, Trump cleared that up. But now, again, a few months into his administration, not only has Biden uh, rerouted money to Planned Parenthood, he's now reverting back to the Obamacare law, which says, Oh, separate? No, by, by separate, we mean together. And they're going to bill abortion and uh, Obamacare subsidies together, collect them together, and they're not going to let the American public know whether these plans cover abortion or not. And so that's really a key distinction. It really gets in the weeds, but it's just important to know that our taxpayer funds are funding abortions through Obamacare. And unless you go onto a website that us and the Charlotte Lozier Institute created, ObamacareAbortion.com, which shows you every single plan on the exchanges, which ones cover abortion or not. If it wasn't for us creating that site, the American public would not be able to know readily uh, which Obamacare plans cover abortion and not. Well, I will say this, you know, I've, I've been reading more and more people, you know, I voted for Biden and I'm sorry I did or whatever. But look, there is no mistake. You can't pretend you don't know this is the most pro-death pre- president, most, most pro-death uh, administration that the United States has ever seen. And there is no excuse to keep supporting these knuckleheads. And, you know, what can people do, you know, when they become aware about what's going on with, you know, so-called Obamacare and them trying to hide things? You know, what Xavier Becerra is doing in terms of, you know, promoting a culture of death? What can the ordinary Joe do when, when they see these things happening? Yeah, you know, when you list off all the things the Biden administration is doing, like I've done and we've done on this conversation, it can be discouraging. But I have to say you have to have hope. As as a Catholic Christian myself here in D.C., not only do we have hope in the Lord, but there's direct things you can do beyond the prayer that we need to be doing for these legislatures. But there's direct things you can engage in this process. We talk about these regulations. The beauty of rewriting these regulations is you, the American public, can weigh in. We try to help facilitate that and bring people um, up to speed on these different regulations as they come up through Health and Human Services, Department of Education, you name it. We can participate and let the administration know what we think about these proposed regulations they have. Secondarily, win with your members of Congress. It might not seem like much, but I can go lobby directly from right here in D.C. to every member of Congress. But what matters 10 times more than that is to hear from their own constituents. Uh, please weigh in with your senators, your member of Congress. Let them know that you do not want your taxpayer fund, funds going to abortion. You do not want your taxpayer funds being used for aborted fetal tissue research. That really does matter. And then do that in the interim. Continue praying. And then ultimately, uh, we can vote our values. You know, it does seem like an election might not be for a, a ways away until next year, but we really need to vote our values. If you are feeling uh, buyer's remorse with your vote in 2020, look no further than next year in 2022. You'll have the you'll have the ability to vote a person into elected office, whether that's your congress member or your senator, that really does reflect your values. Well, and and to get one of the houses where you can actually block things would be good because that's not even available at this time. And, you know, it really seems like every bill there there is heinous stuff in it, even, you know, this infrastructure bill that they're trying to get through now. You know, they have stuff on gender and all these things that they're going to try to push through. Very little of this is actually for infrastructure. Most of it is for you know, their politi- their their view of the world, which is, you know, skewed, to, to put it kindly. Yeah, don't let the headlines fool you that this is some type of bipartisan deal, because it is directly Biden's 
campaign that he ran on to build back better and his envisionment, whatever a better America means. And it's a rechanging of all facets of society from family life, child care and education to Medicaid and such where we're going to, they're going to con- attempt to, again, further fund abortions. Those things I was just talking about, they want to not only increase funding for those plans that cover abortion, but lock that in permanently instead of just temporary tax subsidies, uh, extend that out forever. Um, and so that's exactly what we're dealing with. These things are not bipartisan in any nature and are directly a revisionist view of what America should be. Taxpayer-funded abortions, uh, you know, sexuality and gender identity uh, throughout all facets of the federal government, and an envisionment of family which does not put families first. Instead, it actually puts elitist view of families, many of which don't have kids themselves. They, it's the proposals they put for, towards paid family leave or child care, rather than actually creating the flexibility that families want to be able to work and take care of their own families. So it's a entire different ballgame than what you're hearing in the media. Well, which really makes you sick. You know, they keep pushing all these COVID vaccines, which, look, go with your conscience on this thing. Right? You Just because the government tells you to do it, you shouldn't do it. But they want to protect life. They want to do all these things. Yet they're slaughtering millions of babies and doing everything they can to kill millions of children, actually throughout the world, not just here in the United States. I mean, taking advice from this administration on life issues would be like seeking a wife abuser for marriage counseling. It makes zero sense. It, it is hard to take anything this administration says at their word whenever they're claiming to protect life through wanting to put these COVID measures in place. At the same time, like you said, funding abortions abroad, becoming a major abortion exporter around the globe. It's just those two things do not equate. And that's why we just have to take hope. And like you said, vote to take back uh, power uh, with a pro-life uh, House, a member uh, House or Senate chamber so that we can block some of these things, because those things do matter. Uh, you know, we're not going to look to this administration to pass pro-life laws. We know that much. But what we do have to do these next months and years to come is to stop as much as we truly can uh, in terms of subsidizing these horrific evil practices. We, we can stop a lot of it, uh, but it takes us in D.C. and us, you guys around the country, uh, really weighing in and, and doing what we can to stand up for life, to stand up for family, and to stand up for religious freedom. And you kind of touched on it before, and we talked about it before we got online. Uh, you know, this federal funding for harvesting body parts at the University of Pittsburgh. It kind of hits home for you. You're from Pittsburgh. I mean, how atrocious is this? And is there any blowback on the University of Pittsburgh? Do they have any buyer's remorse on taking this money and doing this evil work? Yeah, you know, this does hit home. It was the family school. Thankfully, I had went to the University of Maryland, but uh, that was my family school, University of Pittsburgh, renowned for its research. Created Jonas Salk created the polio vaccine, some of these great things. Um, but then as, as scientists, as they continue to go down research, they can get greedy, right? Uh, well, what more cure can we get? Well, let's do anything by any means necessary, no matter how unethical or moral it is. If it has a chance of achieving some type of scientific outcome, we'll do it the means to the end argument, right? And that's what the University of Pittsburgh has engaged in. Uh, They have continued to uh, disregard morals and ethics, applied for federal funds, so our taxpayer funds, to pay for research at the University of Pittsburgh that not only uses aborted fetal tissue, but they want to create a ring, a trafficking ring of aborted baby parts to send out to other researchers around the country. And it doesn't stop there. They went as far as the to desire in this application with our federal funds to do a, a quotas on the race of the women that would be having the abortion. 50% of them white women, 50% of them minority women, with a certain percentage being African-American women. 
coercing them into abortions so they could use the fetal tissue acquired from those abortions in experiments that have shown little to zero promise to actually creating any types of cure whatsoever. So I don't think they have seen the remorse yet. And that's why you have to weigh in um, because they will continue. And it's not just the University of Pittsburgh. This is researchers around the country, around the globe, that do not have uh, a Christian or a biblical worldview and really will stop at nothing to find that next best cure or that next best research, no matter how many babies they need to slaughter in the process. Well, it really is uh, it's mind-boggling that in the 21st century that we're even talking about this, right? We like to think we're so advanced, we're so far above other cultures, when in the end, we're probably worse because we know more and do worse things. It really is heinous. You know, I've, I've read several, you know, commentaries and, and read kind of what was going on at the University of Pittsburgh. And as you mentioned, they're not the only ones. They're just the ones that have been highlighted. This is going on all over the place. There is a black market for bo- baby body parts. And we're trying to push a vaccine that hasn't even been approved by the FDA because we're so worried about you. This is, and this is federal funding, right? Our tax dollars are going to harvest baby body parts to be sold on the black market. I mean, this is almost like the twilight zone. It's hard, it's hard to believe it's happening in 2021. And there really is no, um, really no hope that this is going to change anytime soon until we get, you know, people who defend life back in, you know, power. But this was going on even when uh, when Trump was there, right? Yeah, to a degree, that's true. However, uh, at the uh, behest of pro-life advocates, the Trump administration did put in what I would say is the strongest uh, prohibition on fetal tissue research that we've ever seen from an administration, stronger than both Bush administrations and even Reagan. In 2019, summer of 2019, the Trump administration put a complete halt on all internal research at the NIH using aborted fetal tissue, and they did all that they could on external research, so funding going out to places like the University of Pittsburgh, uh, that the means they had. Some of it had to be reviewed by an ethics advisory board, thankfully, which was put on with a lot of uh, pro-life researchers. But they did everything beyond what was asked by the pro-life community to uh, put a stop to uh, fetal tissue research. And again, fast forward to 2021, Biden assumes office. That was one of the first things he did since taking office was wiping away that policy by the Trump administration and redirecting our taxpayer funds back to uh, research projects just like this very one at the University of Pittsburgh. Well, you know, we've hit a we've hit a lot on uh, a lot of the bad stuff going on. I'm sure there's other stuff. Is there anything else out there that people should be aware of that that this administration is trying to sneak through that they can be aware of and that they can speak out on? Yeah, the last thing I think to just touch on is that international angle. Um, the Trump administration had done beyond what we could ever imagine to make a pro-life uh, consensus across the globe. The Biden administration is trying to do the exact opposite. Not only are they wanting to just advocate for abortions overseas by sending money to places like Planned Parenthood and Marie Stopes International, they are now attempting to actually send direct funds for abortions by removing the Helms Amendment. Again, that's been in place since 73. The same year Roe was decided, we put a complete halt on taxpayer funding for abortions directly overseas. The Biden administration is attempting to repeal that amendment. Very important thing, just alongside its, its, its uh, relative, the Hyde Amendment for domestic dollars. But uh, it doesn't stop there. They're not just wanting to fund abortions overseas. In some of these appropriations, these spending bills, 
that the Democrats in the Congress have put out, they've put out a direct call to change pro-life laws around the country, which is illegal uh, based on uh, an amendment we have called the Siljander Amendment. It says you cannot lobby for or against abortion overseas. Well, the Biden administration wants to uh, change pro-life laws in countries around the globe. They specifically targeted El Salvador in this year's bill, but it doesn't stop there. They want to make uh, the rest of the world just like America, and not in a good way, but in exporting our liberal abortion laws, which are some of the most extreme around the globe. That's what they're attempting to do. And so that's just something to be aware of, that as much as it's important to stop abortions here, uh, this administration is trying to make the rest of the globe repealing laws in South American countries and African countries, which do value life. Uh, They want everyone just to be as abortion, uh, pro-abortion as the United States is. So we're down to the last couple of minutes. Uh, and I neglected to say in the beginning, how can people follow what you're doing, Connor, uh, before we wrap this up? Because I really want people to be aware of what's going on. You did some, I've seen some of your uh, commentaries on things. It really is insightful. How can they, so they can't say that they don't know what's going on. How can they follow you so that they do know the nitty gritty of what's really happening in D.C., even though they probably don't want to? Yeah, no, that's exactly why we're here. At frc.org, go on to that website, and you'll find all the latest information we have from pro-life, marriage, and family information putting out there. So first, check out frc.org. But if you really want to stay engaged to the really specifics of what's going on here in D.C., in our Congress, as well as legislatures in your state legislatures around the U.S., uh, sign up for our action alerts at frcaction.org. That will allow you to be in the know timely on what bills are moving where, what executive actions the Biden administration is taking, and it gives you a platform to actually take action on that, uh, to actually weigh in with your member of Congress. And, and we help explain all what's going on and give you quick, easy tools to really weigh in on these issues that are coming up daily. How does your faith help you do what you're doing every day? Because it, it's got to be a challenge. Uh, but so how does your faith kind of inform what you're doing? It's everything, honestly. I mean, I would not be able to be here in D.C. and be a part of such, like we talked about, horrific things happening without without my faith. I mean, it really drives everything to just know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will reign uh, beyond just the timely uh, the timely battles and debates we're having currently. But despite that, we still need to weigh in and to, to use the beautiful faith, taking after the many saints that have come before us to stand in uh, the moment we face ourselves, and the moment we face ourselves today is this ideology that has taken over not just our governments, not just our media, but our families and communities that is just, it's anti-life, it's anti-family, it's ultimately anti-Christian. And so to just know that this is the fight of our day uh, and do that on the backs of the saints and martyrs before us um, to go fight for the causes we believe in, it's, it's really everything. Well, and I think it's important for people to remember, we're put here at this particular time in history it's not an accident, right? We are to fight for life, right? We're working out our salvation in fear and trembling. And if we sit on the sidelines, then we're part of the problem. And that's been probably why we are where we are today. Too many people have sat on the sidelines. Connor, I thank you so much for all that you're doing. I do encourage people to go to the Family Research Council to see what you're doing and really continue to follow it and your articles. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.